First, the good news. Overall, Latin America hasn't gotten much worse in terms of how people perceive the battle against corruption in their countries. Now, the bad news. The region hasn't gotten much better either. Transparency International just released its 2023 Corruption Perceptions Index, and overall, the region and the Americas are stagnating on this issue. The Americas has an average score of 43 out of 100, 20 points below global leader Europe. In the Western Hemisphere, only two countries, the Dominican Republic and Guyana, have significantly improved their scores over the past decade. So clearly, the problem of corruption is nothing new. But in this edition of Latin American Focus, we heard from Luciana Torciaro, Regional Advisor for Latin America and the Caribbean with Transparency International, about a current sticking point, judicial independence. We need more transparency on the processes, on the appointments, and on the removals of judges and prosecutors. That is critical. We also need more transparency in asset declarations of key public officials of the judiciary. There, she's talking with ASUA Online's Luisa Lemmy about how institutions can be stronger if they prosecute corruption without interference. And she raised concerns that, from Mexico to Brazil, the courts are getting stacked. She also talks about how one country, the Dominican Republic, made strides in this area. You can get links to the report in the podcast description. And we also want to remind readers that ASCOA last year published, in partnership with Control Risks, its Capacity to Combat Corruption Index, exploring 15 Latin American countries' ability to detect, punish, and prevent corruption. You can get the link to the most recent edition in the podcast notes as well. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Karin Zussis, and I want to thank all of our subscribers and listeners. Many of you are close to home in the region, tuning in from cities like New York, Guatemala City, Bogota, and Montevideo. But I also want to give a shout out to listeners around the world in Rome, Mumbai, Singapore, and Tokyo. Thanks for being with us. And if you don't subscribe yet, here's your chance. Write us a review, give us five stars, and subscribe at Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Thank you so much, Luciana, for coming to Latin America in Focus today. Thank you, Luisa. Luciana, to start, let's take a look at what the latest Transparency International Corruption Perception Index tells us about the region. Based on your analysis, countries have largely stagnated with some exceptions. Can you give us an overview of the situation in the Americas now? Unfortunately, the situation in terms of the fight against corruption in the region is very critical. In the last five years, our region has scored 43 in our index in a scale from zero to 100, where 100 is considered non-corrupt, very clean, and zero is considered uh, very corrupt. So this means that the region is beyond average. And not only that, the region is also 20 points 
of difference from uh, the European Union, which is the region perceived as less corrupt in the world. So we're talking about the Americas and you're talking about this stagnation, but you pointed that there are some exceptions. Can you talk about those exceptions? Yes, there, there are only two exceptions. Two countries that have made significant progress in the last two years. Uh, those are Guyana and Dominican Republic. In Dominican Republic, we have seen huge progress in terms of the, of the independence and the strengthening of the judiciary. In, it is one of the only countries where prosecutions against corrupt politicians are moving without interference, where there is a real um, commitment to strengthen, digitalize, and make more transparent the judiciary. Uh, and it is also a country where civil society organizations and the press can really exercise their right to hold a government to account. So these factors have contributed to the perception that the country is moving forward uh, in the fight against corruption, and we hope that it continues like this. Yeah, our own ASUA report, the CCC index, showed the DR as the country that made progress in the region as well in its latest edition. In your analysis of the region, which came out in conjunction with this year's findings, you zero in on concerns over a lack of independent judiciaries. In some cases, we're talking about undemocratic regimes, such as Nicaragua, Venezuela, but you know that there have also been setbacks in Brazil, in Mexico, and Honduras. Let's start with Brazil. What is the cause of concern in its case? So Brazil has... has um... Brazil has experienced in the last couple of years a serious setbacks in the fight against corruption, especially during the Bolsonaro period. Um, there was more opacity. Um, the main institutions, the main anti-corruption bodies that are in charge of uh, preventing, sanctioning, investigating corruption have suffered uh, from the political interference. Um, the civic space was also reduced during during that time. So um, in the last couple of years, uh, Brazil had declined in, in the fight against corruption. The lack of independence of the judiciary is something that concerns us in Transparency International. Uh, we have seen during the Bolsonaro period that the former president have appointed political allies in, in key positions such as the prosecutor general. But we have seen witnessed the same last year uh, under Lula's administration. Mm -hmm. um, he has also um, jumped legal procedures to select as prosecutor general a political ally. On the other hand, in last year, uh, Lula has also uh, appointed his former lawyer as a, a Supreme Court judge. And this is raising concerns about the, the, the possibility of having a real independent a judiciary that can act and exercise its function as, as a check to other branches of government and to implement mm -hmm. the law impartially. Mm -hmm. What kinds of issues we are seeing in Mexico and Honduras? Honduras is a country that is going through also a process of concentration of power in the, in the executive branch. We have seen in, in the last couple of years how the executive has interfered or even copted the legislative. And so that means that the, the checks and balances in the country are not working. We have also seen that because of this, the legislative power could appoint 
a person's general prosecutor in a process that is opaque and it has been considered by several uh, analysts in the country as illegal. Um, the country is also mm. facing several restrictions in terms of civic space. Once again, we see in Central America uh, how uh, activists, civil society organizations, um, and the press is being chased, attacked, and, and, and threatened just because they are exercising their, their rights and doing their jobs. In Mexico, we have seen a stagnation again in the fight against corruption. The country scores uh, 31. And despite the president, uh, López Obrador, came to, to power with, to his administration with a very strong and bold anti-corruption uh, discourse, we are not seeing progress. This relates to the lack of sanctions to big corruption cases. We, we are still don't see that they are moving forward. In Mexico, we have also seen some tensions uh, between the, the executive power and key institutions such as the electoral body and the institution in charge of the access to information, which is an institution of a lot of prestige in, in Latin America. Mm -hmm. In the country, uh, we also have seen that the nomination of prosecutors and judges is not always based on, on merit, rather on, on political affinities. And this is uh, worrisome because, again, it undermines the independence of the judiciary. It seems almost like this personalization of politics is spilling over to the judiciary. But it seems as well that these governments are working within the margins of what is legal. What needs to change for the judiciary institutions not to get involved in this polarized political context that we are living all over the world, and especially in the region? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, we need more transparency. We need more transparency on the processes, on the appointments, and on the removals of judges and prosecutors. That is critical. On the other hand, we also need more transparency in asset declarations of key public officials of the judiciary because this will, will allow mm -hmm. people and investigators to see whether there are conflict of interest between key public officials from the judiciary and even organized crime networks or companies or, or high-level individuals. So this is also very critical. We also need to stay to our constitutions, something as basic as that, as to... to mm -hmm just follow the rules that we have in our democracies. And nowadays, we see that, uh, as you well were saying, that uh, many governments or many executives are avoiding those laws that we already have in place to pursue their own agendas. Um, in your article, Analyzing This Year's Results, you also talk about the countries to watch. You highlight Guatemala and Chile. Let's start with Guatemala. President Bernardo Arevalo just took office, but faced serious challenges to his inauguration. Why do you highlight it as a country to watch? And now that he has taken office, what do you see as the primary corruption challenges there? Well, Guatemala is a very interesting country. Uh, Guatemala has faced in an express period of time, very quick deterioration of its uh, democratic institutions huge cooptation of political elites, of the judiciary, of the legislative, all of branches of government in a very little period of time. And that has 
as a consequence has produced the dismantulation of all anti-corruption efforts in the country that were really, really working and making progress when the UN International Commission Against Corruption was operating there. We see that mm -hmm. uh, with the new government, uh, there is an opportunity to make change in Guatemala. Uh, the new administration has the opportunity to clean the public ministry to build these institutions again is not going to be easy, but certainly there is an opportunity in the country. And we, we really wish that in the next edition of our index, we can see uh, more progress. The other country that you highlighted is Chile. Chile now, this is a country that comes a bit as a surprise. Regionally speaking, it scores fairly well. And he has been at the top of this score in other years, but it's seen its score drop over the past decade. What's happening there? And do you see hope for a reversal in its score? Actually, we have liked it, Chile, because we do see uh, the possibility of changing and the possibility of, of really making a difference in the fight against corruption and recover its leadership in, in the region. Chile has dropped because there were several corruption cases in the last couple of years involving several important political institutions and from all political parties in the country, and that has an impact in how the country is perceived. However, we see some lights. On the one hand, uh, the country has a new integrity national strategy uh, that was built uh, with lots of consultation to, to several stakeholders, civil society organizations, etc., that has the potential to, to modernize the, the current anti-corruption infrastructure in the country and its laws, because uh, as we know, corruption is a, a problem or is an issue that evolves all the time. So it requires a modernization and adjustment to how the phenomenon operates. Uh, there is also under discussion a, a bill on beneficial ownership uh, transparency. So that could really make a change because uh, we will have access to who the real owners of the companies are. And it's in, with this law, it will be easier to track money, dirty money from, from corruption, tax evasion and organized crime. So we do think there is a lot of opportunity. We know that there are many challenges, but the fact that there is participation and environment of consultation with, with other stakeholders and with, with, and with the society and is a good sign that there is political will to make something about uh, corruption in the country. That's very interesting. Are there things that you see in the Americas that you say this is a clear recommendation that many countries could adopt? Should the public sector do something specifically different when they are dealing with the judiciary or with anti-corruption efforts? Well, I think it is critical, first of all, to have political will to make the change. Because to make the change, we need resources. We need a political force driving it uh, with, with interference and with opacity, we won't get anywhere. I think it is critical to work on the judiciary because we need to sanction the corrupt. We have to end impunity in our region. The levels of impunity are very high and this is harming our democracies. Um, let's not forget that 
only 48% of the people in Latin America supports democracy now, according to the Latino Barometro. Public trust in public institutions is, is, is very weak. And this is also one of the reasons why we see so many outsiders from the politics and so many populist uh, figures raising, such as Javier Milei in Argentina or Bukele in, in El Salvador. They are not comparable, but they are outsiders, people that are promising new things, people that come out from the system mm -hmm. and our citizens are willing to sacrifice some human rights or, or democracy itself because they are desperate to get solutions. I think that the sanction and to reduce impunity is going to help to bring back a confidence in democracy in our institutions and is key. And then two areas that are critical, that have always been critical, and we still need to improve in the region, is to increase uh, transparency in political financing and also in public contracting. Those are like dark areas uh, that have lots of, lots of consequences for normal citizens. We've been talking about how the public sector can and should strengthen institutions and make those changes. And what is the role then of the private sector here in supporting those efforts? This is a good question. The fight against corruption is not something that only governments have to do. Uh, in order to succeed, we need to integrate several actors in the game, uh, certainly the public sector, the private sector, as you were saying, and citizens. We, the people, we also have to do something about it. Um, the private sector has very important role to create also a business integrity environment in the countries. Uh, it is critical to attract more investment. Have you seen an improvement in how the private sector in compliance and how the private sector acts in, in the Americas? I think the private sector is more uh, conscious about the problem. We see improvements in, in terms of compliance. We see some leadership that see the value of an ethical behavior for, for a company because they see that if they are perceived as clean, as transparent, uh, they can also you know, be more competitive. Uh, they will be better perceived by, by, their, own, by their clients. Uh, and they will be able to do better business internationally and attract more investment. So there is a value of being more transparent. And we see that some companies that uh, are, are already taking that very seriously. Certainly, they have a role to play. If we want to build clean, cleaner societies, uh, the private sector has to be part of it. Do you have signs of hope? You highlighted Chile exactly for those reasons, that it's a place where you have hope that strengthening of institutions that are combating corruption will come. What are you hopeful for when it comes to battling corruption in the Americas? I think we have to also see the good things that we have. The region, Latin America and the Caribbean, has very good legislation. Uh, we do have legislation. We have to implement it and to enforce it. But we do have that. And this is um, an asset that we have to use better. We also see much more awareness about how corruption is harming our societies, our development, our fight against poverty. 
We see very often that people demonstrate against corruption on the streets, on the social media. People are tired and they see this as a problem. When Transparency International started 30 years ago, this was not an issue. Nobody talked about this. And now it is one of the top priorities for, for the citizens in many countries in Latin America. Also, we are much better than before because we do have technology now. Mm -hmm. This is very positive. We can make use of data. Uh, we, we as citizens have the possibility to, to see the data uh, of public procurement, uh, of political financing. Um, it's not perfect. There's a lot of opacity, but we do have more access to information than before. And this is a tool that we mm -hmm. can use as citizens, as journalists, as CSOs to hold uh, governments to account. I think those are the, the most important uh, issues to highlight. We, we think that there is hope. If not, we will not be fighting corruption as we are every day on the front line, which is not easy, especially for our chapters on the ground. That's great, Luciana. I really appreciate your time and your participation with us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karin Zissis. This episode was produced by our executive producer, Luisa Lemmy, and with support from John Orbach. You can find links to Transparency International's 2023 Index and ASUA's own research about corruption in the region in the episode notes. In this podcast, you heard Compai by Artemis Duo, recorded for America's Society. Find out about upcoming concerts at musicoftheamericas.org. Access other episodes of Latin American Focus at www.as-coa.org slash podcast. And send us feedback at latinfocus at as-coa.org. Share and subscribe at Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of America Society, Council of the Americas, or its members.